Today's episode of the Hail to the District podcast is brought to you by our good friends at InTheGymRange.com. In the Gym Range provides in-depth information from the high school, college, and NBA landscapes, covering all levels of hoops from high school all the way through the pros. You can find a link to them on our website, so make sure you check them out. Today's episode is also brought to you by two new podcast sponsors whom I would love if you could go check out. The first is the Healthy Lifestyle Show. Visit www.healthylifestylepodcast and subscribe to the podcast to learn more about creating a balanced diet that can boost your energy levels and improve your overall health. The second podcast I'd love for you to go check out is called the Your Weekly Top 6 Podcast. With the goal of engendering discussion and discourse amongst the population, strong-minded and bullheaded friends Michael Tochi and Adam Lees offer their top six choices on topics spanning the entire spectrum that is the experience of life. Listen as they berate each other and tackle topics ranging from guilty pleasures, convenience store candy, senior crushes, and TV theme songs, while inviting you to offer your own commentary. Their hope is that it serves to foster debate between you and your family, your friends, your colleagues, your estranged relatives, and even your future enemies. You can find your weekly top six on iTunes and Google Play. So remember, that's the Your Weekly Top Six podcast because you deserve a little more. All right, now that we've paid the bills, I'm really excited to get today's episode started. I got the opportunity to talk to uh, NFL Draft stuff with Dane Brugler for NFLDraftScout.com and CBSSports.com. He provided some great insight about some of the players the Redskins might be targeting with the 17th overall pick, among other draft topics. So I'll apologize in advance about the audio quality of the podcast. I was kind of testing out some of these new call recording software that I found, which really didn't work out so hot, but so goes the battle with technology. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode nonetheless, and on to the conversation with Dane. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to another edition of the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and with the 2017 NFL Draft taking place just about four weeks away from now, I am really excited to be joined by Dane Brugler, a senior NFL draft analyst for NFLDraftScout.com and CBS Sports. So, Dane, once again, first off, thank you so much for your time today, and how are things going? I oh, appreciate having me on. It's uh, a busy time of year, but, you know, that's what uh, makes this process so much fun. Uh, just, you know, talking about all these players, possible fits, trying to connect the dots. Uh, so, you know, we're only three weeks away uh, before, you know, draft weekend, so uh, it, it should be fun leading up to the draft. Yeah, I'm sure it's a little bit of an interesting dichotomy considering we're so close to the draft and, like, you've just published your incredible NFL draft guide, which we're definitely going to talk about. But I'm sure you're probably looking forward to a little bit of the other side and the downtime after the draft is over. It, sure. I mean, that's something that, uh, you know, after I got this draft guide done, it was it was nice to reintroduce myself to my kids and my wife and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, get some sleep and all that. So, yeah, I know... Yeah, uh, my family. We we're definitely looking forward to uh, May and June. Those are really the two months I kind of take a take a step back before I really dive back into uh, the next class. Yeah, I saw your tweets about pulling all nighters the week before the draft guide is published. So I'm sure that that's it's a welcome respite once all this is kind of wrapped up. Right. Yeah. It's uh it's definitely a long process, but it, it's a grind. But it's kind of what uh you know it makes it unique and makes it fun. So I have to have to embrace it. Labor of love for sure. For sure. So while I have you on today, um, I thought we'd start things off or kind of just start the conversation off by talking about the Redskins, being that this is a D.C. blog. Uh, what, you know, what are some of the kind of 
talking through some of the players that have been linked to them with the 17th overall pick, maybe getting some of your thoughts on the prospects that have been linked to them in various mock drafts from NFL draft poobahs such as yourself. And um, so, I mean, jumping right in, I think we'll start off with one of the running backs who has been generating a lot of buzz among Redskins fans lately. Um, he started off really high, but there's actually a possibility, which people wouldn't have thought about maybe like a month ago, that he could be there at number 17. And that's Dalvin Cook from Florida State, who, from all accounts, is an awesome football player. But from more and more you're reading, there might be some questions, one, around injury issues, and then two, maybe some on-the-field stuff. So I was curious to get your thoughts on Dalvin Cook, both the player the on-the-off-the-field on stuff that we were just talking about, and maybe how we even get in, in D.C. if you were to be available to the Redskins at number 17. Well, strictly talking about uh, him as a ball carrier, Cook, uh, I, I, he's the best in this class, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. You have to be able to navigate and create, and that's Dalvin Cook, with uh, you know, what he can do with his burst, uh, maximize each run, uh, his balance, his spatial awareness, his quick feet. Uh, if the defense gives him a little bit of room, he's going to exploit it, uh, and he's not an easy guy to tackle and get on the ground. So Dalvin Cook also helps you out uh, as a pass catcher, uh, very natural in that area. Uh, but there are questions with Cook, uh, like you like you mentioned. I, I think first and foremost, uh, talk about the off field. That's something that he hasn't really been in trouble the last few years. But when you look at uh, him at high school, and then you know shortly after he arrived at Florida State, plenty of issues. Never officially convicted of anything, uh, but where there's smoke, there's usually fire. And so teams have to do plenty of background just to make sure this is a more of an immaturity thing and not something they have to worry about, uh, him hanging out with the wrong crowd or anything like that once he becomes a professional and starts getting a paycheck. Um, but so, you know, they'll, they'll definitely be doing their due diligence with, the, with his off-field. Uh, and then just with the medicals, uh, he's had a history of shoulder issues. And for a player that's 210 pounds, uh, you know, he's not a hammer. Right? He doesn't have the, the ideal body armor that you want uh, in a running back, especially a running back you're considering taking the top 20 picks. So just the durability factor is something you have to consider. And then on the field, uh, two, er- two areas that I worry about is ball security. Uh, he had 12 fumbles over his career, including six this past year, uh, his final season in Tallahassee, and then in pass pro. Uh, he's willing. He puts up a fight. But at his size, 210 pounds, he doesn't have the base strength or the upper body strength uh, to really do much other than be just a speed bump in the way of some of these 300-pound rushers. So uh, there's a plenty to like about Cook. He's a top running back for me, but there's also several reasons why teams are a little skeptical about uh, drafting him early. Just off the cuff, a couple of things. Yeah, a lot of people have compared him. I don't know if you have a similar comparison or you think it's that, but a lot of people have uh, said he's reminiscent of Quentin Portis, who was really good you know, for the Redskins for a good number of years. But Portis was an amazing pass blocker. That guy was one of the best we've ever seen in terms mm-hmm. of pass blocking. So Cook doesn't live up to the bill there. I've heard a little bit of Jamal Charles comps. I don't know if he has necessarily the straight-line speed that Charles did. People forget how fast Charles was when he was coming out of Texas. I mean, that guy was legit, you know, low 4-4 type of speed. But um, he's definitely an interesting prospect, and I think a lot of Redskins fans are charged up by the idea that, one, they could have him at number 17, and two, what he could do for the offense, considering, you know, Rob Kelly, a.k.a. Fat Rob, he was great. He was a nice story last year, but I don't think anybody's really sold on him as being, like, a real number one running back, so to speak. Right, right. I, um, I agree with that. And my comp, I mean, I, maybe it's just the Florida State jersey, but Devontae mm-hmm. Coleman, or I'm sorry, Devontae Freeman, uh, right. who 
you know, Cook's a little bit taller, you know, and uh, Freeman's a little, you know, shorter and uh, stockier, but I think just their running styles are very similar. Um, and, and so I think Cook can be a more productive version of that. Fair point. So staying on the running back scene, the next guy up uh, kind of picked up a little bit of traction today when Mel Kuyper gave him to the Redskins in his quote-unquote dueling mock with Todd McShay that he posted on ESPN.com today was Christian McCaffrey, the dual threat kind of do-it-all running back from Stanford. Um, I think McCaffrey is a fascinating player on multiple levels. What are your overall thoughts on him as far as what he is, quote-unquote, and how he'd be best used in the NFL? I love Christian McCaffrey. He's yeah. an offensive weapon. Uh, he just, he's so much fun to watch. Um, and I think he can be a featured back. You just have to tweak your definition of what a featured back is. Uh, is, is he going to carry the ball 25 times a game? No. But he can touch the ball 20 to 25 times a game, and that's his value. Um, and so I hope he goes to an offense that uses him the right way. And if you're the Redskins and you, you draft Christian McCaffrey, you know, hopefully they use him in the right manner where – uh, you know, you can line him up in the backfield, but you also motion him out, put him in the slot. He'll be one, instantly one of the best route runners on your football team uh, with the way he can stress out the defense as a pass catcher. Uh, there's just so much to like about McCaffrey, uh, what he can do as an offensive threat. You just have to use him correctly. So, uh, personally, I I doubt he'll even be on the board at 17 for the Redskins yeah. to consider. But if he is, I think absolutely he's a player that you know should at least be in the discussion. Yeah, it's interesting because the Redskins have a bad habit or habit or whatever you want to call it of getting a little pass happy. And I feel like, well, I guess McCaffrey would kind of fit in that case because, mm-hmm. you know, given his route running skills and he's got great hands. And I think you put him in open space and I think he's going to be impossible to deal with, even be it a nickel corner, be it a linebacker or anybody else or a safety for that matter. Yeah, he's just so elusive and he's just he's an underrated athlete. I mean, people don't realize how incredibly athletic he is. So. He's definitely fascinating. If you just you mentioned briefly, where how high do you think his ceiling is as far as going in round one? Uh, well, right now I have him projected 14 to uh, the Eagles, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if a team top 12, top 10, they consider him uh, because again, if you use him correctly, uh, I think absolutely he can live up to that you know high billing uh, because he is such a dynamic offensive threat with his, his full. Uh, you know, multi-purpose uh, skill set with different ways he can hurt you. Uh, so I, I'd love to see him. I, if he goes 14 to the Eagles, if you're the Cowboys, Giants, or Redskins, you hate to see that. And so that, oh, I think yeah. that, that kind of tells you everything you need to know about McCaffrey uh, and why other teams uh, are going to consider him high. Not only the fact that the Eagles already, they already got Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, they got whatever's left of Torrey Smith in the offseason. The last thing we need to do is give Carson Wentz more weapons. I personally, from what little I've seen of the Eagles, am higher on Carson Wentz than it seems other people are. I think that guy is just a matter of time before he's going to be really good. So if there's another guy catching passes from him, mm-hmm. yeah, as a Redskins fan, no, um, not a big fan of that idea. Um, speaking of players who might actually be or not be available at 17 or hopefully being available at 17, uh, on the other side of the McShay Kuiper dueling mock drafting, Todd McShay gave him gave excuse me gave the Redskins Ruben Foster from Alabama, who is one of my personal favorite guys in the draft as far as just what you watch as you say on the film. I know there are some other questions about him as well, but um, I guess one in your opinion, do you think he would actually fall to number seventeen, considering most people believe he's a top ten pick? And if you do, why would that be the case? Yeah, and I think most believe he is worth, uh, you know, at the very least, a top 12, top 15 type of pick. 
uh, he's a fun player to watch. Uh, his closing speed, uh, his explosiveness at contact, the violence that he plays with, uh, is a lot to like about there. Now, I, I do think there are some areas where you are concerned with uh, durability. I mean, can he really hold up for a 16-game schedule uh, playing at that type of level uh, that he plays at? Uh, that's something that, uh, you know, teams have to ask themselves. And, you know, he's had a history of shoulder stingers. He had a concussion uh, as a senior. Uh, and then also, you know, just coming off right sh- uh, shoulder surgery. So, um, and then you also factor in the combine, what happened there. Uh, it's something yeah. that, you know, there, he put himself in a position where uh, a, a hospital worker felt physically threatened. Uh, you know, he, he feared for what was about to happen. And that's something that you just you have to worry about. You know, once Reuben Foster gets outside of that Tuscaloosa bubble, is that something that uh, you have to worry about long term? And teams will be doing a little bit more research on that just to make sure that there's not an anger management issue. Uh, there's not something there you have to worry about, uh, you know, long term. It's something that I don't think will stop a team from drafting him, but it's going to cause teams to do a lot more work on him. So I, I think it's possible he could flip. Uh, to 17, I don't know how likely, but I do think it's right. possible. What are your thoughts? You mentioned the, the Tuscaloosa bubble, which is a great point. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who believe that in Saban's program, it's just so regimented and it's so, I mean, almost borderline, like boot camp-like, or he runs a real tight ship, I mean, let's just put it that way. And then a lot of times, you know, we see these guys from Alabama, and they come out and they just don't quite live up to the billing of what how good they really were as a member of the Tide. And, you know, there's a lot, obviously, with guys like Jonathan Allen and Marlon Humphrey and Ruben Foster along the defense, you know, there's those same questions that are kind of coming up again this year. I guess just as, a, as, a, as an aside to that whole Tuscaloosa point, what, do you, what are your general thoughts on it? Uh, it it's something that, uh, you know, as good as Alabama's been the last, you know, 10 years since Nick Saban took over, uh, you know, how many Alabama players have gone on to be true uh, a difference makers at the NFL level. You know, it just hasn't happened a lot. A lot of guys have fizzled out. You know, Rolando McLean, I think, is a good example of that. Yep. You know, once he got out of that bubble, uh, he he didn't necessarily acclimate himself, uh, you know, well at the, to the NFL game. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, with Alabama and, you know, with uh, everything that they ask in that program, you would think that, you know, because that Nick Saban runs his program almost like a professional program, that it should be an easy transition. But it, it's, it's what makes the draft and evaluation so tough because once guys start getting a paycheck, you know, once guys get a little more freedom, uh, it's kind of like, you know, when the, and, and the parents are way, you know, the kids will play. And yeah. it's, it's something that you uh, can't predict. You just kind of have to do your, do your best to forecast, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah, the only one I can think of off the top of my head that's played on a saving defense from Alabama that's actually gone on to be really good in the pros is C.J. Mosley. But other than that, I can't think of anybody else. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think Landon Collins has found a little bit of success. Sure, I love Landon and, Collins. You know, I mean, yeah, there, there are definitely a few examples. Uh, you know, Drake Kirkpatrick has signed, re-signed. Uh, but in terms of guys really living up to the to the hype really? of being a difference maker, yeah, I just – it, you don't you don't really see it as much as you would expect from a top tier program that's won you know four national titles uh, in the last so many years. A couple more guys want to bounce off your head just because they uh, they their names have been linked. We'll start with Hassan Reddick, who's the other quote unquote trendy linebacker, kind of shot up the draft board since the Senior Bowl. Um, 
I know former, you know, or I should say former now general manager Scott McLuhan isn't here, but if Scott McLuhan wasn't here and every Redskins fan would tell you that he got the raw end of the deal, but that's another podcast for another day. He is what you call a, a real, like, quote-unquote football player. It's kind of the buzz term we like to throw around here. What are your thoughts about him? He kind of came out of nowhere, at least to the general public, um, right around the senior bowl. And what position do you actually think he's best suited? Because there's been multiple people saying he could play at multiple spots on the front seven. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Hassan Reddick. Before the Senior Bowl, I came out with my first top 50 uh, list, and he came in um, you know, right around 30. And uh, so I, li- I really liked him before the Senior Bowl. And then after the Senior Bowl, uh, you know, then it became pretty evident, okay, he's not going to last until the 30s. Uh, he's mm-hmm. going to go pretty high. And then he continued that momentum at the, uh, at the Combine. Uh, just fantastic athlete. Uh, he had six, one and a half, 240 pounds, uh, true four or five athlete with, uh, really sudden movements, uh, so he can cover out of the backfield. Uh, really, just a projection because he's a defensive end in college. Uh, originally, a walk-on defensive back, so you know there's just a lot of questions about his fit. Uh, I think that he can play anywhere you want, any linebacker position, three-four-four-three. He can play inside, can play outside, uh, can do anything that you want with that skill set. Uh, that athleticism is why he's going to go high. I, you know, I don't. I don't think he'll be an option for for the Reds in the 17. I, I think he's going to go higher than that. Uh, I think he's going to be a, a name that is in high demand on draft night. Yeah, I think there's a lot of teams, like you said. I mean, uh, uh, like an Indianapolis in front of them, even maybe even uh, potentially someone like um, Baltimore at number 16. They could even take a gamble on there, considering they need help mm-hmm. on the edge. So I wouldn't be surprised if he lasts. I mean, if he does not last that long. He's come up a couple of times recently, but yeah, to your point, I, it's very possible he's gone, which we're running ahead of guys now who are like, oh, I think the Redskins could take him because these are all players that are really questionable for the top 15. Um, another guy who's kind of been falling or who was originally slated to go really high and is kind of falling, I mean, he could even be here on Friday or be available on Friday, and he was actually the Redskins pick in your latest mock draft, and that's Malik McDowell from Michigan State. Um, I mean, I think most people would agree from a talent standpoint, kind of like we were talking about with Cook, he's a top 15 guy, if not, frankly, a top 10 guy. But, if you, again, like we are saying about Cook, if you want to talk about red flags surrounding his game, um, about the whole issue of playing on cruise control last year, he kind of called himself uncoachable, I think, at the uh, combine interviews. Uh, just your thoughts on him. Yeah, plenty of maturity questions, uh, and that's what it, what it comes down to. And this is a player who is only 20 years old. He's young. Uh, and he carries himself like that. And so, you know, is he a player that you feel confident investing top 20, uh, a top 20 pick in? That's a lot of teams will say no. And so if a team is willing to roll the dice, it, it could, you know, it's, it, it could pay off for them in a big way because, in my opinion, Malik McDowell is one of the top five talents in this class. Just talking about talent, uh, really impressive. 6'6, 295 pounds, can play inside, can play outside. Uh, his movement skills at that size are just unreal, uh, offer some power. But when he plays when he wants to, and there's just the maturity questions uh, on and off the field, uh, you know, uh, are there enough people willing to talk, uh, you know, tell, tell teams, you know, that they believe in him? Uh, and that's something I'm not sure that there are. And if you're going to Michigan State and people around campus, coaches, uh, you know, people in the facility, uh, if they're not get, telling you glowing reviews about him, then that's something that's going to take him off your first round board. Uh, so it really, Malik McDowell is a wild card. He really is because he has top five talent, but where he ends up on draft day, it's anyone's guess at this point, uh, high risk, high reward with him. Yeah. 
So, Dane, I know you got to get going shortly. So, for the mock draft fans out there, I wanted to kind of do a couple of quick thoughts or maybe if you had any big non-conventional predictions or any surprises, quote-unquote, for the first round of the draft. Any thoughts, anything that you're kind of like, I got this one and a lot of people aren't talking about it. Any general thoughts you might have as far as what we might see on Thursday night that isn't necessarily conventional thinking at the moment? Well, yeah, and we're still three weeks away, so who knows right. what the narratives will be uh, on draft night. But I think uh, a player, you know, we always see guys go out earlier than we think they will. Tyus Bowser from Houston, I think, is one of those guys. Uh, yeah, he's up a lot of teams. Yeah, and I, I think he's going to go high because of he's an athletic player who uh, has potential in different areas. So I, I think he's going to go high. Uh, I'm interested, interested to see how high Pat Mahomes goes. I mean, he's a second-round pick to me. Uh, I wouldn't touch him in the first round, but it sounds like he's going to go somewhere in the first round. And then Adoree Jackson's another one I'd throw out there. Uh, I think there's a good chance he lands in the first round with that athleticism, uh, but another player that doesn't show first-round ability on tape. Uh, so a lot of questions there uh, with, with, with those guys. Bowser, I, I think, is going to go high, and uh, I, I feel good about that one. Uh, and then the other two with Mahomes uh, and and Dory Jackson, you know, where they end up should be interesting. Do you have any how many quarterbacks do you have in the top twelve picks? Uh, right now, I only have uh, one, and that's Trubisky to the Jets. Uh, you know, and that very well could change in a week. You know, who knows? But uh, trying to figure out where these quarterbacks go—that is the true wild card of this year's first round, like it usually is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's a lot of Trubisky to the Jets talk, and there's a lot of, you know, they could go elsewhere, and then there's a lot of thought that Cleveland at 12 is coveting him, and then they could trade up, and then maybe Tennessee trades back from number five. So a lot of fun uh, things to chase. And then real real, real quick last question. Who, what do you think San Francisco does at number two? People say Solomon Thomas is redundant, but he might be the second-best player in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it, it's not like they're not going to take him because he's redundant. You know, obviously right. it's something that, uh, you, it's a brand new regime, so it really doesn't matter who's on the roster. I mean, they're not the guys on the roster right now are not tied to this head coach or this general manager, so uh, they could very well go in any direction, and it shouldn't surprise anybody. I lean Solomon Thomas at this point just because I think he's a very safe player uh, as a person, as a player, uh, and he's also pretty darn good. I mean, he, he, to me, he's worthy of a top five selection. So to me, Solomon Thomas makes a lot of sense there. Yeah. Uh, you just at that this point, they basically just got to get football players or people that are actually going to be able to contribute because you only won two games last year or three games, whatever it was. So, um, Dane, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And for everyone listening, make sure you guys give them a follow on Twitter. That's at DP Brugler, but I'll have a link to the Twitter handle on the site. More importantly, make sure you go out and get his 2017 NFL draft guide that he just released, which we were talking about earlier. Over 450 scouting reports, over 1,000 ranked prospects. Uh, Dane, I'm missing anything. Feel free to brag away after the Herculean, Herculean effort you put into it. No, I appreciate it. It's a labor of love and something that uh, I promise whoever gets it, you will not be disappointed. It'll get you set not only for the top guys, but for the guys that are going to seventh round undrafted. Uh, you know, there's reports on those guys to give you a, a good picture of who that player was in college and who he can be at the pro level. Awesome. Dane, thank you so much for your time. Go back. I know you got plenty more interviews to do, so I really appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you. Take care, man. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast.